Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan, or as I like to think of him, the Mayor Carolyn Goodman to my Anderson Cooper. Uh, You can't see me while we podcast, John, but but half the time I'm removing my glasses and burying my head in my hands in reaction to the crazy things you said. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding, uh, of course. But uh, John, have you uh, booked your flight to Vegas yet since the mayor says the coast is clear? Uh, yeah, well, Eric, uh, that escalated quickly, I think, is the uh, line. Yes. Um, you know, <laughs> officer, I'd like to report a cabin fever incident in the Philly suburbs. Uh, the man appears to be embedded with his wife and two minor children. Uh, am I wrong? You're, you're, you're talking about you're talking about cabin fever on my part. I thought you were yeah, talking about yeah, yeah, Carolyn yeah. Goodman having cabin fever. Uh, well, I, I, maybe maybe both. Maybe both. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, yeah, um, you know, this mayor volunteering Las Vegas to be a control group for what happens if you uh, roll the dice, so to speak, and reopen the doors and we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah, as far as booking a flight there, I mean, I've had a leaky kitchen sink for a month now. And in North Jersey, there is no way in hell I'm letting a handyman <laughs> in my condo. I, I, I wash the occasional dish in the bathroom sink. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big gambler, as you know, but uh uh, yeah, first off, this is all just bluster because it's the governor of Nevada who will decide all this stuff anyway. So, um, But if we want to take ourselves into like a nearly parallel universe with a dystopian movie script where this actually happened at this point in time, I wouldn't take either side of this absolutely horrific bet. I mean, those who think this would be guaranteed to be a massive long-term loss of a massive amount of lives uh, are matched by those who think, meh, you know, we'll take a short-term hit. We'll win in the end. I, that's the craziest bet I've ever heard of. Um, we don't even know what we don't know yet about this virus. I mean, in the parallel universe, it reminds me of like what pisses off. If I can say pisses off, I think I can. Yeah. yeah um, sure. Okay. Uh, like the poker pros in the World Series of Poker back when that existed. Um, an amateur goes all in on, with the reckless abandon on on the river and and hits the card and and wipes somebody out. Uh, it's frustrating because uh, you never know. So you know, I'm glad I'm confident that this gamble. Only will apply in a parallel universe, thank God, um, being not much of a gambler myself, as I already said. Uh, but a lot of people who are 100% certain of what these hypothetical results would be, uh, I would say they have kind of a short memory, Eric. 
Yeah, I, that, that's fair. That uh, that anyone who the the only thing that we know for sure is that we don't know for sure where, yeah. where this is all headed and and when it's going to get back to normal. Uh, I I would I would agree with that viewpoint. Uh, but you know, at the same time, look if, if you're if you're not willing to sacrifice your life to spin some slot reels, you're just not a real American. That's uh that's that's my take on the matter. Well, I mean, it is the the ultimate. Uh the ultimate place of gambling <laughs> right. and the ultimate gamble. So it, right. it, it almost makes sense in a weird way. Yeah, I guess so. And, you know, for all the crap that Mayor Goodman is taking, she did say one thing I agree with. Las Vegas is not China. She is factually correct about that. It's it's hard to dispute the uh, the truth in that statement. Uh, so uh, if I got to give her something, I'll, I'll give her that. Well, they they don't they don't have a massive amount of cases, uh, you know, like uh, your state is fortunately staying out of the top five so far. But uh, you're you're catching up, unfortunately. Right. And, uh, my state's number two. Um, so if you did have a, a, a sooner, um, you know, uh, comeback and some southern states are going to try this, like I said, it's possible. Anything's possible. I I'm not going to any of these places that, that right. are going to roll the dice, but. Uh, it's not certain to me that it's going to be a disaster, but I'm just not taking that chance. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do think at this point, opening things up to the extent that, that uh, Mayor Goodman is talking about opening things up, I'm uh, pretty confident it would be a disaster. But as you say, uh, she doesn't make the call there. And it does seem that some of these other states that have talked about uh, opening things back up, that they've kind of been uh, shouted down and maybe uh, the outlier ideas that, uh, hey, let's give it a shot and see what happens. Uh, those people are not making the final call, it seems. But uh, yeah, I'll come back to your uh, your previous point is that uh, nobody really knows anything, but uh, the only way to be certain uh, that you'll be safe is to stay at home as much as possible and uh, not let any uh, repairmen uh, into your house uh, until further notice. Yeah, I mean, the gambles are coming soon in about 10 or 15 states in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, again, it's not it's not a, uh, a game I would play, but it's going to happen. And Nobody knows. Right. All right. Well, let's let's switch to talking about the uh, the kind of gambling that is a little less life and death than, yes, than, than this kind. <laughs> uh, thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 88 of Gamble On. If you missed any of our previous 87 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Subscribe via any of those apps, and you'll never miss an episode again. Yeah, and Eric, coming up a little later in the show, we're going to be joined by old friend of the show, uh, Roto Grinders Director of Media, Dan Bach, who, like a lot of sports fans, is deeply invested in the NFL draft that starts tonight. Uh, me too, by the way. Yeah. Um, so Dan's going to talk about some of the draft bets he likes, and he's going to explain why the draft is one of the best opportunities out there for sharp bettors to beat the books. But first, it's been a kind of surprisingly busy news week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Last week, we discussed the mostly grim news of New Jersey's March gaming revenue, and we start this week with a similar report out of Pennsylvania, where, as expected, sports betting and land-based gaming were way down, but online casino and online poker were up considerably. Overall gaming revenue in the state for March was $153.5 million, less than half the $316 million posted in March 2019. And sports betting handle, which was nearly $330 million in February, slipped to $131 million in March. We did get our first 90% plus online sports betting month as 90.1% of the handle came via the internet. Uh, the good news 
Online casino revenue rose from $19.5 million in February to $24.3 million in March, and the state's lone legal poker site, PokerStars, jumped from $1.8 million the previous month to $3.1 million in March. Uh, But here's the big problem for Pennsylvania. The state's high tax rates mean a huge decrease in funds for the government to distribute, as the COVID-19 disturbance cost the state some $60 to $80 million in expected tax revenue in March. And it's only going to get worse in April and presumably May and maybe beyond that. John, do any of the Pennsylvania numbers stand out to you? And uh, how brutal is this tax hit? Yeah, I mean, I alluded to this last week, I think, uh, about New Jersey. But, you know, Pennsylvania and New York are on the opposite tax ends from Nevada and New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, I go back to 2003. I attended the Borgata opening in 2005. uh, Things were still going well. Uh, Atlantic City would have never gotten a Borgata without that low tax rate, that that quality of a casino. Uh, And the rival casinos ramped up construction improvements across the city. So, that's advantage New Jersey at the time. When you think about all the additional thousands of jobs created and the resulting other forms of tax revenue, it was a big win. And then Pennsylvania and New York opened their first casinos in 2006 with the high, high tax rates, but um, suddenly they get rich, and New Jersey's left with less tourism, and a low tax rate doesn't sound as appealing anymore. Um, so they're they're losing. And now 2020, Pennsylvania is more dependent on direct brick and mortar tax revenue in New Jersey, so it's kind of their turn in the barrel. So. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry, Eric. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's uh, the money wasn't coming to me directly anyway. Yeah, so, okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what one interesting subplot that our colleague Gary Rodstein drilled down on for his Pen Bets follow-up article was which online casinos had good months and which didn't, and he mm-hmm. discovered that the verticals you use to draw people to your online casino matter. Uh, FanDuel Casino, which was thriving in February, slipped in March because apparently sports betting was bringing people to their online mm-hmm. casino. Mm-hmm. Poker Stars Casino had a strong month because people were on the site to play poker and then clicked over and tried some casino games. Yeah. Uh, poker Stars Casino in Pennsylvania actually beat FanDuel Casino in Pennsylvania in March, whereas in February, FanDuel Casino was approximately doubling Poker Stars Casino. So that's an interesting point of analysis. Yeah, it's got to be tough. We're talking about um, different um, sort of revenue models and they work sometimes and they don't work sometimes. It's got to be frustrating for these operators. I mean, they and they all make sense in their own way. But it's just that uh, sort of the, the circumstance of the time uh, dictate which one uh, wins and which one loses. But um, that's business, I guess. Yeah. And, and look, the, the bottom line uh, is that all of these state revenues are going to be ugly for a while. And the handful of states that do have legal online casino and poker are going to be a lot less screwed than the states that have been slow to legalize that stuff. Uh, you know, I look at Michigan, which should have these games operational right now, but the outgoing governor vetoed it and it slowed it all down by a full year. And now here we are in a pandemic and there is no online gambling yet. Uh, you know, I, I, I would not call any state government a winner during the COVID-19 crisis, uh, but just in terms of gaming revenue, our two states, New Jersey and Pennsylvania, are less of a loser than the others i guess because at least yeah. they have this yeah. this form of of uh, gaming tax revenue yeah i think we're talking in in april for each state about something like a 25 percent consolation prize yeah. i mean so is that you know half full half empty it's a quarter full three quarters <laughs> empty right. whatever but it's something you know new york has got uh you know only uh uh, uh, land-based casinos uh, yep. in the Catskills on North and, and 
betting on you know Russian table tennis. I, right. Their revenues are not quite going to be 25% of what cool. they could have had otherwise. And those casinos are not open, so uh, so oh, there's yeah. that factor. Oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Let me let me adjust that my answer to zero. Right. Terrible, but that's what it is. I mean, they they I guess that's a gamble they took and they lost. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on to our, our second story, which is uh, one of the least surprising stories we've ever reported. If you listened to our interview with Dutch Boyd two weeks ago, you probably came away convinced there would be no World Series of Poker this summer. I certainly did. Uh, and uh, and now it's official. The WSOP is postponed. They're hoping to reschedule for the fall and there will be online only events uh, during the summer. On that latter front, uh, WSOP executive director Ty Stewart said... Official WSOP competitions are expected to be played online this summer, and we will soon announce details of an expanded series of tournaments to be played on WSOP.com and through partnership with international operators, which will allow players to chase WSOP glory from their homes. So there were already 14 U.S.-only online bracelet events on the World Series schedule. So maybe those 14 will remain. Uh, For those, you would have to be in Nevada, New Jersey, or Delaware to play. And maybe there will be other countries-only events added in. Uh, But as far as we know, there's no legal way for U.S. and foreign player pools to mix. Um, And as for the fall hopes, uh, well, poker is nearly impossible to play in person safely if the virus is still active. You know, we're, we're not talking about testing 24 basketball players and having them play in empty arenas. This is a, a lot more people than that. So I'm not at all optimistic about there being a live WSOP in 2020. How about you, John? Uh, are you any more optimistic than I am? And do you think the WSOP brand would be sullied if they ran a full schedule of 100 or so online events and called that the 2020 World Series? Well, you know, it's funny you call that World, say World Series. I'm thinking of baseball, obviously. Uh, right. And I'll, I'll lump poker at the same spot. You know, is a, say a 32-game tournament with only divisional play for seeding purposes and all teams make the playoffs, is that enough to crown a legitimate World Series champion? Um, I would say no in each yeah. case, including the world. But I say let's do it anyway. I mean, I'm not a fan of asterisks. I mean, I was a <laughs> there was a famous baseball home run topic on that when I was in my crib. But uh, <laughs> but let's just roll out something unique and ultimately listen to the players and the fans about what to call it. Uh, I've mentioned before the 1982 NFL season uh, when a strike shortened it to nine games with wildly unbalanced schedules and 16 out of 28 teams making the playoffs, which was unheard of back then. Um, and then once the Super Bowl kickoff came along. No one cared anymore. Um, I, I covered the 1999 NBA Finals. Uh, the eight-seeded Knicks somehow reached the finals against San Antonio in a 50-game season, and nobody complained about that either. So, uh, you know, I don't think that carries over to WSOP winners online only. I think that's a, a bridge too far, but um, I'd sure like to find out. Yeah, that 1982 NFL season happens to be the first season that uh, that I was watching the NFL. Uh, so uh, as far as I knew, that was what football, that was how football <laughs> worked. And uh, you had a kicker as the league MVP. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I am hoping that they'll they'll beef up the online schedule a little, uh, you know, maybe have like 20 or 25 U.S. events and uh, the same number of international events, and and I say award bracelets for them if you want. The the bracelet has already been devalued uh, by the proliferation of events over the years. Mm-hmm. That train has left the station. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, then I think about you know the the prospect of trying to move the whole World Series schedule online. I, I wouldn't do that in part because 
you're just not going to do well with the more expensive events. There simply aren't a lot of people willing to pay $10,000 and end up as buy-ins for online poker tournaments the way they are with live stuff. So there, there's somewhere in between, uh, you know, replicating the whole World Series online and and uh, and just, you know, I, I'd say something where you beef it up a little bit. But in terms of the, the live poker in the fall, I'm sorry, I, I just don't see it. Uh, I wrote this uh, the week before they made the official announcement uh, that, you know, if, if you want live poker this fall, I think the best you can do is a live final table. I had suggested that in my article from last week that, you know, you you take whatever the biggest online bracelet event is and you play it out down to a final table of nine. And then in the fall with ESPN televising with no audience there, with the nine players and the dealers and the crew all tested for coronavirus, you play out a final table. I think that's something you can pull off as a many asterisked alternative to a true World Series main event in 2020. But, you know, gathering thousands of people in one place for a live poker tournament or, or a series of tournaments this fall, I'm sorry, but it's just not going to happen. That, that that has to wait until there's a vaccine. And, and even then, even after a vaccine, numbers are going to be way down. People will be reluctant to play live poker for a while, I think. Well, I, I'll give you this bit of old man wisdom. Uh, if you take what we knew on March 1st and people made uh, expectations and then March 15th, April 1st, April 15th, and it's going to be May 1st, um, the, 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 the way things were going to roll out is completely different every two weeks. And True. so now we're in this mode of, you know, well, we know kind of how it's going to happen next. We don't. And I say that two ways. One is um, it's not as bad as you think. And, and you know, your your uh, your reasoning is, is sensible. But all of a sudden in a week or two, something happens where, oh, wow, you know, September is going to be fine. They're going to be able to have, you know, a, a, a full number of players at the table or same thing. It gets worse, which can happen also. Right. And then forget about 2021. You're going to 2022. So I think that um, we keep having expectations based on what we know at the moment. And then every two weeks, something changes immensely. And that's going to continue, I think. And again, for optimists and pessimists, you know, don't don't be so sure you're going to be exactly right. I think uh, none of this is knowable. That's fair. I am getting a, a little ahead of myself trying to assume what it'll be like in the fall. But that said, uh, I'd, I'd give pretty decent odds against uh, against uh, full on live poker tournaments this fall. But uh, well, there's a there's a financial incentive for every single company in the business of anything like a vaccine to find something. You're going to get rich beyond your wildest dreams. So you have people in the background. Um, working 24 seven to try and come up with a thing that gets them rich. And, you know, maybe that's the only reason they do it. Who knows? Um, but that's a great incentive. So that's why, you know, uh, on that end, I think there's a real possibility of something in the next couple months that, that comes through and changes the way we look at it. But also, you know, I mentioned before, you know, some States come back early that could go the other way. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely, uh, 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 not gambling either way. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I, I hope that there is some uh, reason to uh, be optimistic that things will will look better uh, in terms of yeah, this. This is getting a little off topic, but I'll just say that, you know, the uh, what the experts are saying about a vaccine and how long it takes to clear that uh, and get it approved. The fall is, is out of the question, but some other sort of medication that treats uh, could come along sooner. I will uh, uh, certainly 
root for that, hope for that, and and uh, and hope to be very wrong uh, in in my pessimism about the World Series. I guess uh, <laughs> uh, we'll leave it we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Um, all right, and we'll finish with a story that combines the worlds of. DFS, poker, and legal rulings as the Illinois Supreme Court came to the decision last Friday that daily fantasy sports is not gambling, taking the opposite stance of that reached by Nevada five years ago while setting the stage for New York to make its own definitive ruling soon. Uh, But perhaps the most interesting subplot, as John pointed out in his article on U.S. Bets, is that the lone dissenting justice, Lloyd Carmeyer, who feels DFS is gambling, explained in his dissent that If DFS is not gambling because there's allegedly more skill than luck, then neither is poker. So maybe this opens the door for Illinois to get serious about legalizing online poker. Uh, By the way, this whole case came about because somebody lost a $100 head-to-head NBA DFS match on FanDuel and decided to sue over it, uh, which is pathetic. So I'm going to call him out here, Colin Becker. If you're listening... Come on, man. Quit being a sore loser. Uh, okay. Editorializing complete on, on that front. Uh, John, what do you think? Does this actually improve the probability of online poker coming to Illinois? And do you think it impacts what will happen in New York? Well, Eric, it's class of you not to mention the final score of that head-to-head blowout because it was 200-something uh, <laughs> yeah. to less than 100, I think. It was like two to one. Right. Um, as far as Illinois goes, you know, recent Gamble on podcast guest and gaming law attorney Mark Edelman told me um, it could well entice an online poker proponent to file a suit there to challenge what does seem to be a disconnect there. So, you know, Illinois is done now as far as the daily fantasy sports. It's a game of skill. It's not gambling. That's it. It's over. So a court would have to dance quite the dance to rule that, you know, sure, that's skill. But poker, well, you know, there's lots of luck there. That's not really a skill game. I mean, really? It just um, doesn't make sense. So, you know, both disciplines have a group of career professionals who win good money every single year. I think that tells me there's a little bit of skill involved because uh, they're not gambling, you might say. Um, So, you know, as far as New York, though. You know, two lower courts have said Delhi Fantasy Sports is gambling in New York, and there's only one strike left for them. Um, they have a different standard for what constitutes gambling. So I think New York Delhi Fantasy Sports is on the ropes. Uh, you know, sorry, FanDuel and DraftKings, but that's the way it is. So um, Illinois has the more common uh, definition of gambling. So I think it, it might be noticed by other states. But I think New York uh, is, is a different animal. And uh, like I said, I think Delhi Fantasy Sports has got a lot to worry about in New York. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Well, you, you've proven much better at anticipating what New York will do uh, than, <laughs> than I have. So I'll defer to you on that front. Uh, as for Illinois and online poker, I, I would still assume there's a long road uh, to get there. But, you know, this ruling combined with, uh, as we discussed with our first story, the pandemic uh, waking more people up to the obvious revenue opportunity yeah. of legal online gaming. I think there's a chance that it gets the ball rolling in Illinois, at least. And uh, boy, would that be a big state to bring on board if we have shared liquidity. Uh, You know, if in a year or two there was a poker site combining players in Nevada, New Jersey, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Michigan and Illinois, that starts Mm -hmm. to become a legit player pool. Uh, So a a boy can dream, I suppose. Yeah, it's where the the descent in a five to one ruling seems to to be the the biggest (laughs) thing going. But but it does. And and. The logic is hard to dispute, and um, so it's funny. Yeah, he 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 thinks that poke, online poker should be illegal, and he's annoyed that this uh, ruling about daily fantasy sports probably makes it legal. And I I think he's right, and so I think that if there's a challenge there, I think it wins in court eventually, and then yeah, I think it opens the floodgates for 
could be two dozen states to say the same way. Like, you know, we're not sure what to think, but uh, we look at other jurisdictions. We don't have to obviously abide by their opinion, but they've made a great case for why Delhi fantasy sports is skill. And we believe that. And we already have it legal in most states anyway. And so if that's skill, poker skill. So there we go. So, yeah, I think this was a great, uh, you know, oddly enough, the the judge who's annoyed about <laughs> online poker possibly being legal, I think, is the one who's who could be right in the long run. Yeah. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. It is by far the biggest sports betting event on the April 2020 calendar. It is the NFL draft. It is almost here. And our guest this week is someone I know is very excited to bet on the draft because for the past couple of weeks, draft odds and draft props are pretty much the only thing he's been talking about on Twitter and in our company Slack. We are pleased to welcome to Gamble On for what I believe is a record-setting fourth appearance, Roto Grinders Director of Media, Dan Bach. Dan, thanks for joining us again. Thanks, guys. Uh, it's funny because in years past, I was, you know, I guess I've only been doing it for a couple of years, but like I really got into it last year with the draft betting because I've always loved the draft. It's one of my favorite days of the year. But now it feels like everybody is a draft <laughs> expert simply because there's nothing else to bet on. But uh, thanks for having me. Love talking to you guys. Yeah, no, great to have you on. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right. There's more focus and attention being paid to the draft in the betting community than ever before. So let's start out big picture in terms of this year's draft. There's a common belief that this is going to be the least predictable draft in history, that the media has less of a clue than ever as to what teams are thinking due to all the limitations everybody's facing with social distancing. Are you part of that chorus? Is this going to be a draft where nobody really knows anything and we're going to see some picks that seem totally out of left field? And is that better or worse for trying to bet the draft? Yeah, I, I think it's I think that's every draft. You know, I don't know if it's going to be any more or less this year. Some of the people are saying with no pro days, you don't have as much um, ability for, you know, some of these reporters to kind of get inside scoops in there. There might be some of that, but but honestly, the reason why I love betting the draft so much is that it's a market that is unknown to both the actual sports books and the people betting, the only people know are those, you know, 32 general managers out there who know who they want to select. Besides that, nobody really knows. And that means that there's going to be inefficiencies in the market. It's not like when you're betting game totals or, you know, you're betting spreads. I mean, all those algorithms that the sports books are throwing out are, 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 are amazing. Like they're, they're so sharp, but it's impossible to, to have something that's considered sharp in this world unless you know what's going to happen ahead of time. And if you're a general manager, why are you going to tip your hand to anyone? It takes away from your advantage. So that's why I love the draft. I think it's, a, it's, it's the most wide-open betting market we might have all year long, and that's what excites me. Yeah, and to follow up on that, that that the fact that you like that sort of unpredictability creates uh, so, some edges and some opportunities. The fact that there are these sports books are offering more markets than ever uh, this year because of the lack of other sports to to offer. Are you finding that the fact that there's so much selection makes it even that much better to find a few inefficiencies and some some options you can take advantage of? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a lot of it's the draft because you're right. You know, I was 
deep into this market last year because I just happened to be in New Jersey for a conference and it was during the draft. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I've got nothing better to do. This fits perfect. And you're right. The number of markets they have is, is amazing. And it's hard to keep them super efficient. But the other thing I'm seeing too, as well, is these books are being really aggressive with their regular season kind of prop market too. Like you can find player props on all the, the, uh, the, the sports books in New Jersey for the entire season. And again, that's something that I feel is a pretty inefficient market because we also know that a lot of things can change. Like nobody was projecting Gronk to suddenly go to uh, Tampa Bay. And yet there's already plenty of markets out there for some of those receivers and players for Tampa Bay, which probably are going to skew a little bit further down now. So um, I think like the whole sports betting landscape right now is, is very intriguing just mainly because these sports books are just kind of creating markets they've never done before to keep people active and keep their money on the site, to be honest with you. And, you know, it doesn't hurt them in the sense of it's a future bet. They're not going to have to pay it out until next December, but it's, you know, getting people on their platform, opening accounts, gets people talking about something gambling related. So, you know, um, I, I think they're okay with them not being the most efficient markets, but it should be good for us betters to take advantage of. Right. Uh, yeah, Dan, I'm picturing a lot of uh, NFL fans who are betting on the game, say, all last fall. Uh, but last spring, if their state had legal uh, draft betting, they probably – I didn't even think of it. And I think that group, at first they think, well, next year they're going to bet it again. They, they're going to have a good time, and then they're hopefully going to have an NFL season in the fall, and next spring do it again. And obviously, you know, no offense to Russian table tennis players or Belarus soccer players, but hopefully we're going to forget all about them next spring. So at first I thought, well, the NFL draft is going to be, you know, stickier, meaning that um, NFL fans are going to have such a good time they'll draft it again. But then, you know, God willing, we'll have early season baseball in late April next year, and we'll have, uh, you know, the NBA and NHL getting started with the playoffs. So uh, with all that in there, do you think that the draft is going to be a big deal for uh, betters again uh, next year, or it's going to be overrun by the, the normalcy of the other sports? Yeah, I don't think it's, it's going to blow up. And obviously it's never going to hit the level we're going to see this year, because this is certainly spawned by the fact there's nothing else to bet on. Uh, but I do think that, you know, people will, especially people who are savvy betters are going to pay more attention to it basically for the reasons that I mentioned before, because it might be one of the better money-making opportunities they can have in sports betting throughout the year, just based on, uh, again, the inefficiencies that a lot of these lines likely have. So um, I, again, I don't, I don't think it's going to blow up, but do I think it will be incrementally higher than it was say last year? Absolutely. Because naturally people will try things and it adds an extra element of, of, you know, entertainment to whatever you're watching. That's why we all love sports betting so much. We love watching sports. We want to sweat with it. And why not add that to the draft? Because, I mean, I've talked to uh, numerous people who said, I'm not really a draft guy, but, you know, if I can make a few wagers on it, uh, yeah, I'm going to be plugged in a lot more. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd expect it to be more than we saw last year, but nowhere near in the ballpark of, of what the states are going to do or these books are going to do this year on the NFL draft. Now, drilling down on, on one of the specifics of this year's draft, uh, the biggest question near the, near the top of the board is, is what's going to happen with Tua. Uh, seems he could go as high as third. He could go as low as 10th. Someone might trade up for him. Do you have a prediction for what team will take him? And have you seen any Tua bets that you like? 
you know, Tua's bets have been all over the map. I mean, for the longest time, he was uh, speculated to go number three. Somebody was going to trade up and take him. Next thing you know, Justin Herbert, he's going to be taken ahead of Tua. Now you look at the odds today, Tua is back as a pretty strong favorite. Think about minus 142 to be selected before Justin Herbert. So again, this just goes back to show that all this movement that's done is based on reports that we don't know are true or not. And that's what I absolutely love. And, and, you know, I felt all along, I think Tua is going to be drafted by Miami at number five. I never really bought up to anybody trading up to number three, you know, with Detroit to get there just because I didn't think they needed to. Mm -hmm. Um, And like a team like New England who might want to do that, like they'd have to give up way too much draft capital to do it. So uh, I think Miami is the obvious landing spot. Then you hear all these things come out about Tua dropping in the draft. And I really think that's all smokescreen here. I think it's a perfect situation for them to put out reports, reports um, (laughs) about him dropping in the draft. So they don't have to use draft equity to move up a couple of spots to draft the guy because they're kind of in the position right now. Obviously San Diego potentially might need a quarterback. They, you know, could move up. But if they basically have everyone say, oh, they're not interested in Tua, why would anybody end up moving up? So, uh, again, I just think that there's a lot of bad information being put out there, not by the people who are who are reporting it. Somebody is telling them that. Right. But it just boils back down to the fact of why would you disclose this information before the draft? You wouldn't because it doesn't benefit you if it's the truth. So – uh, I think Tua ends up going number five to the Miami Dolphins. I think that was – it's been my idea the whole time. Really haven't wavered too much <laughs> through this. Um, so we'll see if it happens. Right. All right. Uh, Dan, this, this was like a simple yes or no question, but I – and I thought it was a simple answer, and then I started thinking about it, and I guess that's why I think it's an intriguing bet. And it's, it's just this. Um, New England Patriots take a quarterback in the first round, yes or no? I'm going to say no. I – it depends on the odds that you give me, of course, as spoken like a true sports better. Um, <laughs> I, I think that they are going to take a quarterback. I do. Uh, I just don't know that it's going to be in round one. I think there's a distinct possibility they might trade back just a little bit. But they're one of the few teams that clearly is in the market for one. And you never really know what's going to happen kind of towards the tail end of round one. Because the one thing you got to remember is with these first round picks, you get that like extra option year that you can pick up, which you know players who are selected in uh, after the first round don't have. So you often see a lot of teams kind of sliding up into the first round, and and the big thing that you know a lot of people talk about is being able to get a quarterback on a rookie contract and the advantages it gives you as a franchise to kind of build your team gives you way more flexibility than, you know, spending $25 million on, on one player. So I wouldn't be shocked by it. I wouldn't be shocked by it. And I kind of hope it happens based on one of my favorite bets that we have. Um, But to, to make that prediction of like, yes, it definitively is. um, I would probably still lean no, but honestly, it wouldn't shock me if it took place. And if Tua, for whatever reason, would slide, I don't think he's going to, but if he'd slide down to like number nine, they're absolutely a team that could trade up and get him. And how fitting would it be to have, you know, Belichick get, you know, his next big quarterback after Brady and it be, you know, the guy that everybody expected to be the number one pick in this draft, you know, just 12 months ago. So 
Um, we'll see. But uh, for the sake of my bankroll, uh, I don't. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you mentioned yeah. that the, the one of your one of your favorite bets uh, it would be would be helped by this. I was going to ask before you before we let you go to to share one or two of your absolute favorite uh, draft bets this year. Is is it? Am I am I? I'm st- I'm guessing based on what you said that uh, maybe this was the number of quarterbacks taken in the first round, or is it or is it something else that you're counting on here? Uh, it's not the number of quarterbacks. It's it's kind of a certain quarterback, and ah, okay. and again, this is all based on odds here. It, it's it's asking yourself what the real life odds are versus the odds that you are getting to do something and taking advantage of those situations. And, you know, one spot, which is totally unique in sports betting is points bet. And they offer this points betting for the NFL draft. Uh, Typically they do it for their regular season games. And, you know, every points that you're over and under the, the line, you win or lose, you know, that denomination of your bet, you know, that X of your bet. Same kind of applies here where, if you can find somebody who's selected way lower than their projected line or total, you can win up to like 30x your buy-in, 30x your bet. So the guy that I'm really bullish on in this draft, based on what we've seen with uh, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, guys who can kind of run a little bit at the quarterback position, is the under on Jalen Hurts because the number they're offering him is 61. Okay, 61 is is the line they have set. So if for whatever reason he would slide in the first round, and I know it sounds outrageous because people feel like he's not a first-round prospect, but as I mentioned, there's a huge advantage for some quarterbacks to be drafted in round one instead of round two. So if he would go, say, 30th, you're getting 30x what you bet on that. Now, if he goes 90th, I'm out 30x my bet. (laughs) I just don't feel like that is much of a likelihood at all, especially when you consider he went from literally like a week's time, went from 15 to 1 to 8 to 1 to be drafted in the first round. And, I mean, I'm seeing these these odds, 8 to 1 just to bet him to go in round 1, or I can play the points bet, and get 30 to one if it actually happens. Right. So for me, it's, you know, discovering these lines and looking for them. And that one for me, I feel offers literally the biggest upside that you can have maybe betting in this draft, because most of those other points bet, you know, players that they offered, you're talking guys who are drafted or whose numbers are like 10, 11, 12, 13. I mean, at worst, they're, they're probably going to go five or six above or below and this one, you're talking 30, right. like 30X. It doesn't <laughs> happen very often. So uh, that's the one. If Jalen Hurts somehow sneaks into the first round, yours truly is going to be, you know, having uh, a pretty good dinner with the family. Well, there you go. I, I on last week's podcast for our uh, our little mythical bankroll segment, I I stole that bet from you, having seen you talking about nice. it. A tiny bit of my own research, but mostly just stole it straight out from under you. And I love, <laughs> so I'm rooting for it too. So hopefully, I wasn't even thinking of that first round uh, was was uh, potential. I know you were targeting. Neither uh, was I really. Like but Steelers at 49 was yeah. something you were targeting. But hey, if he goes 20 something, uh, all the better. So <laughs> oh, exactly. And, and again, and I don't even think it's a likelihood he goes round one but just ask yourself what the real life odds are versus what the odds are getting on that bet and it, it makes it a good bet 
Absolutely. All right. Well, it's always great talking to you, Dan. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast again. Stay, uh, stay safe and healthy and uh, enjoy the draft and good luck with your bets. Will do. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoyed it. Two men. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. For the second week in a row, thanks to the NFL draft that we just discussed in depth with Dan, we will be making one round of bankroll bets. Uh, nothing to update with our previous bankroll bets at the moment, uh, but I will just uh, recap the draft bets we already have. We have Jerry Judy going to the Jets at plus 300 for $50, which is looking shaky at the moment uh, of our recording due to injury reports about Judy this week. He might drop quite a bit. We'll see. Uh, we have Tua going to Miami for $100 at even money. Obviously, Dan Bach likes your bet there, John. Uh, and we have the under bet on Jalen Hurts that Dan loves. Uh, under 62.5 was where we got it, and that's for $20 per spot. So those are our three bets so far, and we're going to make it five bets in total. And I'm up first. And I like the price on points bet for under 0.5 running backs taken in the first round of the draft. In other words, I like there to be zero running backs taken in the first round. Points bet is paying plus 140 on that under. I checked five major media outlets mock drafts. Two of them had no running backs in round one. Two of them have DeAndre Swift going 32nd, literally the last spot in the first round. So this feels pretty 50-50 to me. From what I'm reading, there's no clear difference maker running back in this draft. And we know how the running back position is now viewed. Uh, they're almost interchangeable. They don't have long shelf lives. It's just not a position you invest heavily in. If it's a Derrick Henry or a Saquon Barkley or a Christian McCaffrey, fine. Those guys do things not any old running back can do. But the Giants are still taking crap a few years later for where they drafted Barkley, as talented yeah. as he is. And it just seems almost every team who wants a running back this year will be comfortable grabbing one with a second or third round pick. People have Swift going at 32 to Kansas City, but I don't know. You think Andy Reid is going to use a first-round pick on a running back? I have my doubts. Uh, like I said, this seems 50-50 to me, so at plus 140, I like the price. Could be a fun sweat. Let's bet $100 to win 140 that nobody drafts a running back on Thursday night. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on this bet, although oh, under 0.5 literally leaves no margin of error. <laughs> right. And also, uh, this is going to go way past your bedtime. This is kind of a this is kind <laughs> of a, a nocturnal uh, better's uh, choice because you know the first 20, 22 picks probably he doesn't sweat at all. He's he's right. he's good to go. And then the last 10, it gets interesting, and then you win or you lose. So this is one for the uh, somebody who likes the long game. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with the. Uh, uh, Sticking with the earlier theme, uh, Alabama players in the first round over 5.5, 110 to win 100. Okay. Uh, I, you know, that's funny. I, I, that's one that I was looking at, too. I was sort of looking at some of the uh, quarterback over-unders and Alabama over-unders. And so so you're saying the over five and a half uh, is, is the way you're you're leaning on, on that one. It looked from what I was looking at, there's like there are like four or five slam dunks. And then there mm -hmm. were like a couple of a couple of maybes. So uh, you're, you're feeling yeah, good I, about, I, about a maybe or two. Right. And I'm more nocturnal than you. So I'll be sticking around for the 29, 30, 30, 30 31st and 32nd pick. So I, I'll see how I do. All right. All right. Well, that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. 
And thanks again to our guest, Dan Bach. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please take us out. Uh, yeah, you know, Eric, my wisdom has been uh, for months now, you know, bet on the leagues playing games, uh, NHL, NBA, MLB, NFL, you name it. Uh, you know, golf's coming back and NASCAR's coming back. Um, you know, the fans want it, obviously, but uh, the leagues and the, the owners and the players uh, need it desperately. And they're going to do anything they can in the world. Uh, Wednesday night, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, other executives uh, with the NHL, uh, suggested they may play games in, in July in four different arenas, so like a division-by-division division thing, um, three games a day if necessary. I mean, uh, Major League Baseball agent Scott Boris, who's got so many of the best players, uh, he tweeted this week that his players are amenable to even the single location they've talked about. Um, so, you know, the games are going to go on. I mean, that's good news for sports better, sports fans in general. Um Probably, you know, if it works out. <laughs> right. But yeah, but but the, you know, the idea that oh well, you know, the, there's not a vaccine, there's no way this is going to happen. Da da da. You know, that's not. I don't think that's uh, reasonable. The fact is that uh, they all want to play, they all want to make money, the fans want it, and so we're going to get sports this summer in a lot of ways. And you know, if uh, if it backfires, it backfires. But um, we're going to get it. So uh, with that, you know, until next time, everybody, uh, uh, NFL draft, gamble on.